podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guest would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's show, we have Anthony Sarandria. Anthony started off door knocking and built a company to 100,000 a day plus with over 1 million customers a year. He is recognized as one of the top customer generators in the world, running a team that drives over 1 million customers each year. Today, he runs a profitable portfolio of websites ranging from commerce to content blogs that combined reach millions of buyers each month. He is consistently featured as one of the top under 30-year-old entrepreneurs and was featured alongside Snapchat's founder, Evan Spiegel, as one of the entrepreneurs that are changing the world. Anthony, welcome to the show. What's up, boys? Thanks for having me. We're very glad to have you. Yeah, this is exciting. You clearly are a very driven guy. You've accomplished a lot, which I think is going to translate well to our listener here. So we'll save some time at the end of the podcast to talk about some of your current ventures. Cool. But you've got a business idea that you are eager to share with our listeners and have them run with. So tell us about the business idea. Yeah, I like it, bro. I mean, I, uh, you know, when I first heard about the format of this podcast, I was excited and uh, kind of like doing things off the cusp. So, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me, and, you know, we'll talk about it later, the type of work we do and, and help people with, but it's to help people with their finances. And I think it's incredibly relevant right now, especially with coronavirus and uncertainty in the economic landscape, things like that, to uh, start looking at, you know, uh, you know, people's financial situation, essentially, for lack of better words. So, you know, one of the things I, I noticed, and again, too, we'll flush out more uh, specifics here are, you know, a lot of times, uh, this is, my, my brothers do it, my dad does it, my family members, and these aren't even poor people. These are, you know, middle class working Americans checking their bank account before when they're at the bar over and over again to see, you know, what balance is in there. And, you know, one thing that I always thought would be phenomenal is to to have more clarity around your finances week to week, day by day, month by month. And, you know, there, there's apps out there that help with some of this stuff. But overall, like understanding, like almost like, you know, how much fun money do you have, you know, projected for the month or kind of like, you know, I look at like even in business, you know, we set up uh, you know, projections and pro formas for the year. But, you know, how, how well are people doing that for themselves week by week, month by month, year by year? Um, and not very well. I think a lot of a lot of times, you know, you get a $2,000 check deposited on Friday, but you don't really know like, okay, I know I have a Netflix, I know I have this, my credit card, this is, but you don't know when they're going to hit how much. So you're out at the bar and you're kind of like refreshing, like, can I, can I get another vodka soda right now? You know what I mean? And then there's this fear, like you go home, you're like, Ah, shit, I have 30 bucks in my account. What happens if my XYZ hits? So essentially, like, you know, I don't know if it's an app format or it's something that, that I think brings clarity to Americans kind of finances day by day, month by month, even minute by minute versus having to log into your bank account out at the bar and see like, okay, do I have enough to buy a drink here type of thing? That reminds me of uh, Mint. Yeah, it's, it's it very similar. A, yep. Yeah, it was a service that I used to love. <laughs> We're not really... Yes. Uh, we don't typically badmouth services too much, but I'm not a big fan of the way that it, it's gone. Right. It, it's almost useless to me right now. So for sure, it was something that I was using 
religiously. Yes. And I guess I'm curious, why do you think this, this is a common problem. Why do you think someone hasn't figured something out here? I think a lot of it is that there's this balance right between like a mint that could be, you know, overdone versus, you know, drilled down to like, you know, for, for instance, like the credit karmas of the world, I think have done such a good job of making the credit score. Like you almost like, what, how much do you weigh? You almost know that as like what your credit score is as well too. Cause it's very dumbed down to that. It's like, okay, you know, uh, and, and there's this obsession around raising your credit score because it's a very tangible one number. You don't get lost in a mint's got a pie chart of this and this and this. I think it, it almost needs to needs to be a lot more simplistic where it's like every and there's plenty of apps that do this too. Every charge you make on your bills, you know, we're gonna round up to the nearest dollar. Except instead of invest or this, it goes into, you know, the fun money pot or to the, you know, to the social pot or, you know, whatever you deem is your, you know, you know, what you want to do with essentially your your extra funds at the end of the month. Then maybe you just see that number where it's just chipping down when you're buying, you know, a vodka soda, that main number for that week is going down versus Again, the pie chart, here's how much is coming to the utility bill, to this, to this. It gets overcomplicated for, what is it? Americans have a, a sixth grade reading level, I think it is. So now all of a sudden, you're, you're bringing you know, a very complex kind of thing to them versus, again, like a, a credit karma. You kind of you, you just refresh it, you see what the number is, and that's really what you're watching. All the details are there, great. But you know what is that dumbed down one number on there too? And again, we can flush more through the idea, but there's something broken when people are doing archaic things. Again, an archaic thing is logging into your chase account with your long password at 1am at the bar. So I don't know what is the fix around that. But there's something archaic about that process happening over and over again, and multiple times throughout the day that I see an opportunity for one, again, something archaic or broken, but two, something that people are obsessed with, they're always checking that. So what in an app form or what in what form can you monetize out of that? Can you offer a better solution for because the obsessions already there in a very, you know, in my opinion, archaic format. I just want to bring this up. I had this funny thought that, you know, there's uh people install in their email, like to prevent themselves from doing drunk emails, right? It's you like a, it, yeah. it's like a, like a stall on your email. Yeah. I'm imagining, Math problem before you send the email. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm imagining an app where it's like, it freezes your credit card credit if you cards, can't solve a math account. problem. I like that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot. And it doesn't even need to be drunk. I mean, maybe it's, it sounds funny. Like I agree when you're out drunk, but like, there's like the don't text my ex apps, you know, shit like that, where it's like, you don't even need to be drunk. You just fucking lose control and do it. Like maybe right. if it's even like to your point, it's, it's, Hey, I'm going to set it up that, you know, if my account drops, you know, to this amount, I'm not allowed to make any purchases out of that because I've already plugged in all my necessities outside of that. Like type of stuff. I, li- I like that. The idea of setting up controls for ourselves around, around our spending. I like that. It's nice. A couple of interesting questions that come to my mind as we're talking about this answering my own question around why hasn't this been done? And I'm thinking about the incentives out there for these companies and Chase or Wells Fargo or whomever, they're not incentivized to let you have a better financial picture. They don't want you to be able to have a clear grasp of, I spent this much money on alcohol this month, right? Because if you do, then you probably would would spend less. It's like putting the calorie count at McDonald's. You're not, you see that and you're like, oh my God, that's 1,500 calories. Sure. I should get a small. So that's one point that comes to mind. Well, I guess just to play off that one, if you don't mind me jumping in. Yeah, go for it. You know, we we forget like, you know, what's the most profitable product for a bank is actually your checkings and savings account because they're able to, they pay you 0.01% interest rate. They're able to lend that at, you know, six, eight, you know, I'm just making up three to whatever percentage rate. So 
you actually having cash in the bank actually in a way is... And again, too, there needs to be people also spending money taking it out as well too. But you having cash in the bank is actually uh, theoretically an incentive for these Chase Wells Fargo's for you to not go buy a, a new boombox or something like that because then there's more cash in there for them to, to essentially lend out. Yeah, that's interesting. That's why they get you to get the credit card to, that's linked into your bank account. Then they can make money from you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can, I like your thought though, Ethan, of like essentially, you know, setting up uh, something that, you know, monitors like a lot of these, like you only get, you get to work an hour on Facebook or anything like that. But I don't see, and I think, you know, to your point, it's simple enough where it's, and it's like, you get the idea very quickly, like a mint. It's like, it's a budgetary planner. You're like, cool, get it, but don't, you know, okay. Like, uh, but like very simple, like, Hey, set up that, you know, after midnight on Friday and Saturday, you're not allowed to make another charge or set up, you know, there's no charges exceeding of this. And the app, you know, essentially put stops in place because, uh, you know, you're not calling the bank or you're not checking the bank. I, I like that. I think that's a great idea. It's an e- easy app too. I'll just cut in with this. It's actually a nice excuse for your pals that you're drinking with. You could say, ah. <laughs> I like, oh, let's have up. another round. Be like, oh, my app cut I'm me cut off, off, man. <laughs> my bad cut and me then, off. <laughs> and then maybe you even get bought a drink. Oh, I'll get yours then. <laughs> I know, bro. I love that. No, I, I like it. I think that's uh, it's, it's interesting because there are a lot of apps and things out there that, that prevent you from doing things you don't want, that you regret, I guess, for lack of better words. And a lot of times it's, you know, people's spending habits are an addiction in a way too. Not just at the bar. We um, you hear the buzzword machine learning a lot, and I think about that here because it seems like machine learning should would be able to help with categorizing expenses. Right now, Mint does a horrible job of categorizing expenses. QuickBooks does as well. I uh, can't tell you how many times at the end of the month I have to go back in and say that's what not a that's not like a whatever a book purchase. That's a, a web app purchase or that's contract labor or whatever. I have to recategorize things manually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, yeah, surprising to me that it can't do that. But if you solve that piece of it, then it seems like that's a bridge to everything that we're talking about here, right? If, if you solve that piece of, okay, if I'm this sort of spending at uh, Snake and Jake's, it's a sure. famous bar in New Orleans, yeah. <laughs> Christmas themed year round, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you have spending at Snake and Jake's, you should have enough data to be able to say, okay, that's a bar. Bar, for sure. And, I, I totally and agree. And that doesn't need to happen on an individual basis, right? Totally agree. I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that. We have a full-time bookkeeper who, you know, it does a lot of other stuff too, but yeah, categorizing, recategorizing things, like it can become a full-time job. And I think that's where, you know, we get back to like, why aren't the mints of the world working is like, it can turn into a part-time or full-time job versus, you know, to Ethan's point, you know, you set up a couple rules for yourself. And it, oh, sorry, charge won't go through, or oops, sorry, it's blocked, or whatever it is. It's hands off, it's easy, it's running on its own. But yeah, to your point, the machine learning, I'd say at a, at a bigger, more enterprise value picture, is very interesting because I agree these companies do a tremendously bad job at it today. I think it's a good time to to check in real quick and maybe restate what you see the solution and the problem as before we start talking about some of the uh, ways that we would monetize or validate it. Let's go through. I like Ethan's idea. Let's go through that. So I think the problem is people don't have clarity or control over their financial spending. And the proposed solution is essentially setting up kind of rules and blockers for yourself uh, that if you are in a poor state uh, decision making, whether again, intoxicated drunk, or maybe it's your, uh, you know, at the casino, or you see the nice watch you want, whatever those you know, where essentially your emotions are rising and getting the better of you, 
you've got uh, checks and balances in, in place there. So similar to a don't let me spend more than an hour on social media before uh, Facebook page doesn't load on my browser type of solution. I like that. Nice thing about that too, is you could, speaking of machine learning, like the app could learn actually what is in people's best interest, right? You could even do surveys at the end of the month. How did you feel about your spending this month? But you could even mark charges that you're like, I don't want to do that next month, right? And it's kind of, I think part of the problem with this stuff is the thinking aspect. You know, you got to put in the mental energy, you got to put in the willpower. Whereas if an app is like curating, like not only did you say you didn't want to do this stuff, but, you know, we've learned from users that they typically in retrospect don't want to do this stuff. So we've curated this kind of plan for you that you're you're going to budget this certain amount at the at the bar or, or you know, you're not going to spend money on something stupid here or there. For sure. And you, I mean... Again, getting back to enterprise value, the amount of financial data you're collecting from that is absurd. To be able to, to know exactly Ethan's spending habits is incredibly valuable to have access to that data, even if it's through a, a simple, sorry, don't go on here app. The challenge, that, and again, we can talk through too, is we're kind of like the salad option instead of the McDonald's. And instead of saying, like, let's be a better tasting, really bad for you cheeseburger that people are probably going to do anyway, we're the salad option, which is great and you know you should do, but people don't really like you. So I imagine someone at midnight and they're trying to buy a girl a drink and then they're not allowed to because of a rule they set up earlier. They're pissed at, at that, you know, and they're pissed, they're, they're pissed yeah. at you. So um, let me speak to that a bit because yeah. so uh, the other side of uh, this that could be more inspiring or exciting would be enabling for people. Hey, if you each month or each paycheck, you um, automatically have a certain amount funneled into your goals, your financial goals. So let's say you want to buy a new watch or you're saving up for a car or a down payment and you set it such that 5% automatically goes into a sub-account. That's just, it's not actually even a different account maybe, or, or maybe it is, but it displays new car fund or whatever there. And you can watch that balance grow and it slowly gets there. You're on track. It gets to that green level and says, okay, you can go get your car, go nuts. This is your budget that you put out there. And then on top of that, you can also make it more exciting by, let's say you get a, a bonus or you're doing really well with your account at some point, you hit like a, an accelerate button or something like that. And it puts an extra hundred bucks and all of that gets filtered into those categories appropriately. Yeah, I, li- I like it. I think there's also like, even with the, you know, I just keep thinking like the don't let me be on Facebook type of apps on your browser. I think there's, you could still get on Facebook. You'd have to jump through hoops. So by yeah. the time it, it just creates a little bit of a barrier. So like, I don't necessarily hate that app. And I guess I'm, I haven't undownloaded it or deleted it. I just, you know, I, I know if I really want to get on there, or if I'm really like, again, I'm buying the drink at the, the bar with the girl, I got to jump through some hoops. I got to go to the bathroom and I got to, you know, text message, get this. And then I got to go here. And then I got to like, you know, two or three hoops where you're still not sure. like permanently locked out of your house, but you, you know, you got to go around the back to grab the key. And it's like, at that time, is it really worth it? Yeah. And, and I think that minimal amount of disincentive there is enough oftentimes for people to question, okay, do I need that second drink? I don't feel like, solving this math problem or whatever the impediment is. I think what you brought up was really insightful in that you need to have something that doesn't just make this the salad option. Otherwise, people aren't going to to want to use it. It's not going to be fun to use every single day. Ideally, you can make this to be something that people are excited to log into. I'm trying to think through it too, to to what we were just talking about is like, instead of just, you know, cut, not allowed to spend, like, is there a way to frame it as like, you know, you're able to to get more, you're able to blah, blah, I'm just making stuff up. Uh, I'm trying to think through like, again, how to make it 
not necessarily a, a better tasting works for your cheeseburger in the McDonald's example. But I mean, that really is human, you know, most human nature. It's very tough to get. It's easier to get somebody from McDonald's to Burger King than salad and go, you know. Yeah, you got to sell to people on their short term emotions and rewards, I think. And I like the term that you used, fun money. Like, I yeah. feel like if you call the app fun money, right? Right. And you're going to sell way more than if you call it save money. Yeah. Uh, 100%. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, actually, that's interesting. So I wonder if you could tie it to savings, right? So you'd say, I want to put 100 bucks into fun money. And if I do that, it automatically puts $200 into savings. For sure. I guess there's a couple interesting things there. Is it's like, so what Ethan just said is instead of the Facebook blockers, it's essentially allowing you to do Facebook more like frame. So it's allowing you to go buy more drinks at the bar type of thing, because now it's, you know, like you said, either an allocations going there or, you know, right, right when you deposit your check, it automatically like, let's say $2,000 check automatically goes through your utility bills. This is boom, boom. And then it pops down. You have $600 fun money for the rest of the month. And that's like the number you're watching. You're watching the fun money number versus the unclarity in your bank account. When you see again, 50 bucks, you're like, I don't know if that am I going to have a charge in the morning come out for that? How's that going to look? And it's just it's a rolling fun money number going up or down. Um, and that's the thing that you're you're opening that app and just refreshing it to be like, how much you know fun money do I have left? So maybe it's not even a like, hey, don't don't charge anymore. You know, a more uh, basic idea, but like I think it can get really sticky because people log into their Chase and their Wells Fargo at, at then versus just opening the app, refreshing and be like, this is how much fun money I have left that I'm able to spend until my next paycheck. I think if anything, it like gets back to that credit karma example where it's just one number to watch that just kind of dumbs it down and it's easy to see. I'm dying to ask this question just because we have you on the on the call and it's pseudo relevant here. So, you know, you've seen a lot of success with business. Yeah. You've had money and you've went from not having money to having money. When you think about your fund money and budgeting, like have you increased your fund money? commensurately to the amount of income that you're having over the years? Or do you keep it like steady at a stable low number because you feel like you don't need that much? Like, What's your approach to quote unquote fun money? Yeah, really interesting questions. I grew up in a middle class home, not poor, but we live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and it's because my dad would gamble or he would drink or he would just spend it on, on you know, fun money stuff real quick. And then you know, by the time it's the, you know, Friday check comes, Monday comes, we're eating tuna again, you know, type of thing where it was always fun when my dad got paid for two or three days, maybe four days. And then after that, it was like, all right, you know, back to a a lower level of living. So, uh, you know, I had to reverse train a lot of that thinking for myself. Cause when I first started working, I remember, you know, I'd get a check and I'd go spend it all like literally every dollar. And I was like, it sounds silly to some people, maybe not everyone listening, but I was like, why am I saving? And again, I was younger, but what does savings do? That's not fun to save money. Like I should, if I made it, I should go spend it, right? Because then you have another check in a week, and then start learning about like, oh well, what happens if a disaster happens? Or you want to have savings for maybe something bigger you want in the future. You know, again, get into those aspirational things. Maybe it's a house. It's a, it's this that one day. But to answer your question, as of now, a real answer is I think I live well, well, well below my means, and I think a lot of it is just like partially because I'm like still trying to wake up every day with like a poor mindset, like thinking that like, I need to go like I need like I stayed up till 3am yesterday working like, I don't really need to stay up till 3am to work. But in my head, like I woke up that morning, like, I got to get it today as if it's my last day. Because otherwise, there might not be you know what I mean. So I really have not I definitely have not it has not stayed on a steady trend of like, let's just say a 25% 
buffer of fun money where now all of a sudden I'm on a yacht every three days. It's kind of leveled off after a certain income level. And I don't know if that's the same for everyone, but it has been for me at least. Do you think you'll get to a point where you are on a yacht every three days? Or you live on one permanent? <laughs> I, Just curious. <laughs> I don't. And I, I guess the, the reason I say that is anyone listening who's made good money is, at least for me, this is my truth. Doesn't mean it is for everyone. But I see why Warren Buffett drives an old car. And he, he almost pretends to be poorer than he is in a lot of ways. And I think it's because you start to realize you start losing distance between you and those that are close to you, your friends. Um, if all of a sudden you're even honestly, even so, so I, I'm really mentally fucked up because I started h- hiring all of them, started paying them way, way, way too well and thinking like, okay, I'll even pay for stuff when we all go on a yacht, I'm paying for it. But you realize there's still this incongruency with like people I've known for a decade where now I'm paying for them for everything. We're still not on the same, not because I'm looking at it differently, but they're feeling some type of way in, in masculinity or something like that. So point being is like, you know, there's a lot, I joke, there's a lot of rap songs saying lonely at the top, stuff like that. Like, I think, you know, I started off, started making some money, started buying some nice things. And then I started like, whoa, going right back to normal. Cause I was like, it fucking sucks to be like, kind of, you know, and, and the sound that like, people listening are like, Fuck you dude, it sucks to have a lot of money, but it's like, it, 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 it you know, your close friends, like you, you lose contact with now all of a sudden, like, I can't replace a 10 year relationship with someone. You know what I mean? And that, that type of shit is, is very real as you start making money. So to answer your question, I don't think I'll be on a yacht every day. In fact, I want to be even more less flashy or showy or buying things nice because all of a sudden, like you, me and somebody else can't connect as well. I can't connect with, you know, the same percentage of people as before. And that it gets thinner and thinner the more money you make and it's more lonely and it's less fun and less enjoyable in life. So unless you really fucking love, and I think that's why you see a lot of these people or guys just buying eight different Ferraris because they're just trying to get a little, uh, you know, crack cocaine hit every time because there's really nothing of substance there because they've lost it all. So to answer your question, for me, at least, I don't think I'll, I'll ever be ro- rolling around on private jets and, and yachts. I think I will be very much, maybe I'm not driving around a Warren Buffett, you know, 1980 pickup truck, but I, I, I definitely am, don't, don't see myself having, you know, eight sports cars anytime soon, even, even though I can afford them. Okay. That's great. And that's incredibly astute of you to, to see that before actually going through that, like lost in Las Vegas type of, right. uh, of, uh, you know, highs and lows. Sure. You seem like a relatively young guy. I don't know how old you are, but you've uh, figured that out before doing too well, much. No, I, 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 you know, I, I, I got a little, <laughs> that's funny as fuck. I got a little taste taste of it <laughs> and I really hated it. And it was probably, I mean, honestly, like yeah. uh, not that long ago, maybe, you know, six to nine months ago was really like, I was in probably the low and I'm, I'm a very energetic, very optimistic, happy person. Probably the lowest yeah. I'd ever been in my life was probably six months ago. And it was because my wealth kept growing and there kept becoming this gap where I would literally wake up and, and want to not, I wouldn't be as happy when the business was doing as well because my friends were in the business and they would see that. Um, how fucked up is that? Like, I didn't want my business to grow more. Yeah. I was like, I, I ho- kind of hope it stays here. And like, I literally would start making decisions that would handicap myself. Or like, if I, you know, if I wanted something, you know, something and not anything crazy, you know, I need to go buy, for example, I, I bought a really nice McLaren. Two out of my three closest friends have never been in the car. And it almost brings me to tears to be able to say that. Like, they've never been in the car because they don't want to be uh, because it's too far of a gap. So that feeling, a very real deep feeling is like, really made me realize like the cost of success. And again, you probably, I used to say the same thing. Like if I'm listening, I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, oh, you're upset because you have money. Like 
but it's very real. And I think yeah. if anyone listening who is at that point or gets to that point will and can relate, and maybe you can't right now, maybe you're saying, Fuck you dude, like, cool, no worries, but very real to the few people that I can relate to that. It, it, it's, it's hard, very hard. So we're going on a tangent, but I, I want to go for at least one more question here. What motivates you now, given that it's, uh, you know, you've reached those goals? Yeah, I think what motivates me now is impact. I truly mean that. It sounds super cliche and foo-foo, kind of rah-rah shit. But it really like... I remember a great mentor of mine who made hundreds of millions of, do- millions of dollars uh, said, he goes, at a certain amount of money, he goes, you don't get that same kind of high as making another $10, $100, $1,000, million. Uh, you get it when you see that in other people. So for me, growth, I think, equals happiness. I think that's a big Tony Robbins quote, like growth equals happiness. So for me... I, I feel like I'm playing a video game every day. So if I can, if I can grow personally, if the company and the team can grow, it, it really. Uh, and I think I've, I'm blessed. I've had that mindset from early on to not be focused on again, uh, you know, material things or money because I, I looked at them as as not long term sustainable. But you know, what motivates me today is is really, you know, doing a podcast like this where I have nothing to pitch. Nobody, nobody's in a subprime in credit card debt that we can that you know that's my my target market listening to your podcast probably. Um, and if they are, you know, we, we drive thousands of customers a day. So it's, it, it's, it's not why I'm here. I'm not saying I want, you know, to sign up for something, my course or anything. It's, it's really just, I used to listen to these to learn. So now I, I want to be able to share any experience share I can to those listening as well, too. So, uh, it's, it's really impact and being able to amplify my time and that reach. So I'm not just one-on-one mentoring with someone I'm talking to your guys podcast that has however many people watch it, stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's motivated you to stay up till 3 a.m. last night. <laughs> it does, bro. It does. It's fun. All right. Let's get back on track. I, I love that uh, tangent that you took us down, Ethan. So you've got this idea to help people get more control of their finances, to enjoy it more, to be able to not spend money on things that they don't want to spend money on, but uh, you know, have impulse control when it comes to money while still feeling good about how they're using it overall. One idea that we talked about for monetizing it, well, I'm not sure how far we went down this, but we went down the topic of saving for different categories, right? Let's say I want to buy a watch or let's say I want to save up for a new car. That sort of data is valuable to marketers, to people who sell those types of goods. So if you're in that business or you can create that business, then that's one avenue you can take. Any other ideas in terms of monetizing this idea? Yeah, I think um, you know you were saying with goals and things like that, is through, I think, lending products as well. So being able to say, you know, you want a new car, I say, hey, Chris, you know, it looks like you've been uh, saving on track for three months. We're actually able to get you a, a lower interest rate on the auto loan because we've seen that you've been very disciplined with what you're doing here. Yeah. And maybe that now, because people, you know, fall naive to, to that your credit score is the only thing that gets taken into, into effect. So you can literally change a lending industry by now being able to say, hey, because Chris has, has made steady deposits into his goal fund or whatever that is. Yeah. You know, you should lend to him at a lower rate or be able to lend him more money, even though his credit score doesn't necessarily reflect that or his lending history, you know, whatever that is. Like now you're introducing another decision making category for lending, you know, companies that are lending and things like that. So I imagine credit cards, personal loans, things like that, that very much can help expedite people to get to to that level. And and I, I think even dumbing down the app to, you know, it, it really is a it's like Literally, I see people refresh their credit card app just to see what their credit score is when they're when they're bored. Hmm. Like, I just want I can just imagine someone literally just big on the app, just how much fun money you have left for the week. Yeah, and it's just you're just refreshing that, you're playing with it, and then it becomes now you're just addicted around 
that number, it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's like a score for a game or something. Like if we just play basketball, great. But when we play a score, like all of a sudden you're more invested into it. So, and it's very dumbed down, very simple, but through there, again, I'm putting my goals in there. I'm putting my, I'm connecting my bank accounts. I'm getting a ton of data as the app to be able to do that. And then I'm able to monetize the individual through lending products to, they're essentially giving me the pieces. They're saying, here's my financial picture. They're giving me all that data. Here's what I want. Great. Well, you know, you want to expedite that? Let me, here's, I'm going to monetize it with an expedite of here's where you are today. Here's where you want to be. You've given me both pieces. Boom versus, you know, most financial companies are, uh, don't know what this is or they don't have access to this. Yeah. um, And they're trying to get both. I think, I think it's a very powerful data play, really. This solves something I've been frustrated with for many, many years. My undergraduate degree was in music. I studied jazz piano performance and, you know, getting, either 1099s or just getting paid in cash or all these things. And then to go to try to buy a house or something like that, there's like, oh, yeah. we want to see your W-2s. And they're like, I don't have W-2s, but I've been making money. Like, what, you know, how are we going to report this? How is it going to look yes. good? That's great to have a resource, like an app that tracks your spending, but can also report that you're good financially without you having to bother with, Got you know, it, the typical financial instruments. I love it. Well, it dumbs it down too for these financial partners that ideally, you know, the app part works with and says exactly like you said, like, hey, you know, he's a musician. And instead of them being like, okay, give me all your statements over here and here and here. And then you paid with cash. And like, to your point, I didn't see what you did with cash and how financially savvy you are. But if I can in one place just see how financially savvy Ethan is, you know, I might be a lot more apt to lend to him. And, you know, maybe you start with the, the smaller uh, to middle tier, you know, banks and lending companies. And then eventually, you know, you pull on the ear of a of a Chase Bank, and you get you know a billion dollar exit like some of these some of these apps that have this financial data. So Plaid is a great kind of brainchild of this. It essentially it's a gateway from your bank account to applications in general. Yeah. And I did I think they sold or they raised like some I'm not even going to say it uh, some absorbent amount of money. I think they sold actually uh, like three billion dollars something like that just because they had access to what Ethan was doing all day long. That financial data they now had. And they had it through multiple banks. So if Bank of America now had access to what you were doing over in Wells Fargo and Chase and here, they didn't just have access to what you were doing. So this central hub of really, you know, the tip of the iceberg again is the the cutesy little how much fun money you have and what's your goal and working towards that. But really underneath the iceberg is understanding what, you know, tracking your footsteps through your financial financial, uh, steps. And uh, that is an enormous, uh, powerful amount of data. Let's start talking about some of the action steps that a listener can take Yeah, here. What's something that person's listening, they're fired up, they bought into this idea. What's one thing that they can do right now to make progress on it? Yeah, I'd say uh, first thing to make progress would be, I'm a big believer in, uh, actually, I guess we could go as dumbed down as possible, but creating an MVP. So um, the, there's a great story I tell on a lot of podcasts, the creator of the Palm Pilot. You know, let, let me back up. Most people go create an app, uh, go raise a ton of money. They go spend five years. They won't show anybody because they need it to be perfect. And then by then it's obsolete or something else has come out. Creator of the Palm Pilot literally carried around a block of wood with him and said, I wonder if I would actually pull this piece of wood and carry some third party thing on me all day long. So he'd meet Chris and he'd say, what's your number? He'd pull out a block of wood, go like this. Then when he actually went to go, he wanted to go get lunch with you. He'd pull out this block of wood and go like this. And it sounds funny because today our phones are our third arm, literally. But but how foreign is the idea to keep an object on you at all times that's not on your body? It's a crazy thought. So he MVP'd it by doing that and was able to you know essentially prove out like, oh, I would carry this object on me all day long, then went out, boom, boom, boom. So 
First thing is, is really, honestly, if you really want to be simple is see if there's a actual need for it for yourself is, uh, you know, signing up for a mint, finding out what you dislike about it, or maybe even just writing down on a piece of paper, like how much fun money that is. And then you keep that in your pocket all day long. And then as you go buy something, you subtract it, go, and then you circle it. It's not a very like glamorous thing, this first step, but really like, are you actually obsessed with that number in your pocket all day long is a great first step from there too, is, is, you know, depending on, you know, if you don't even have any resources, there's a lot of clubs, groups for developers, things like that. You can really get good at selling the vision and the emotion and excitement around an idea. I think you, you'll find people that'll rally around you for little or no, no money. So I imagine going to like, you know, for me, like an Arizona State University like development club, like go to a meeting there, go to meetup.com with a bunch of developers and you're going, hey, here's my idea. You know, I grew up paycheck to paycheck. Did you, Chris? You know, yeah, man, blah, 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 blah. I've got this thing that I think is really going to help a lot of people. I don't know if you're on board. I'm, this is Penny. You're not a developer. And you may be able to find people that'll do it for free. And you say, hey, we need an MVP. I'm going to go try and raise money and then we'll get you paid type of thing where you don't need to give up equity. You don't need to pull out money out of your pocket. That kind of that selling that vision and inspiring people to take action on your idea is probably the number one skill set in business, I would say. And uh, so anyway, I, th- I think that's a great place to start. I'm picturing that there are certain groups of people who would be more excited about a product like this than others. What do you think about niching down to either a certain personality or a uh, some sort of demographics for people who are going to be really excited about this sort of idea and may turn into early adopters? Yeah, I think it's... Um, hmm. I mean, and I'll clarify that by saying I'm not saying to to exclude everyone, but I'm right, saying, of course, think of someone who to focus on that to focus on that you can use in the development of the product, and who would be your early ambassadors and evangelists, whatever word you want to use. Yeah, I'd say um, you know. It, so uh, I go back and forth between two different things. This isn't a perfect answer. First is millennials and college students. So I always used to joke like. I have the number one testing ground in my backyard. I have the number one, the biggest university where if it, if it grabs adoption there, it's through the roof. It's very tech savvy, young people that have time. Uh, what they don't have though is income and money. So you go from like the tech savvy millennial or someone in college right now would be a great place to start to see like, are they, and they might actually be tight on cash too. Are they? So I say that first, my thought. And then my second thought is, yeah, but are they as worried about their finances as, a 40-year-old dad who actually is a better customer for really our monetization strategy, which is you know lendability products to be able to bridge the gap between what they need versus a college student who's just worried about getting fucked up on Saturday night, you know. So I go back and forth with with both. Ideally, you know, I would start with who's going to be the best for our monetization strategy and try and start there. So I'm thinking, you know, who's got the biggest need, but also who's the best customer. So for us, it might be someone with a source of income. Maybe 35 to 55, could have been divorced, has kids, so they have a financial strain and maybe they're, they're watching their bank account paycheck to paycheck every month. It's not just aspirational things like, man, I want to be in a Lamborghini. It's like, I need to get a, a Toyota Camry for my wife so that she can drive the kids to school. We're not both just sharing a car. So that might be a, an interesting place to start. I'm not sure if you guys have any thoughts, ideas on any of that, but that could be an interesting place to start. You know, I think it was interesting. I don't know whether this would sell or not, but there's something about this, how you said that impact drives you right now, you know, and it's almost like there's a certain crowd that's entrepreneurial, but they're also kind of like dealing with budget issues. Like I've got friends who used to make $150,000 a year 
and now they're broke because they're trying to be an entrepreneur because they're just trying to figure it all out. And it's like, do I budget? Do I spend on education? Like, what do I do? And I feel like like something that kind of, it gives you a, a levels where you can graduate and it's almost focused on the impact from the beginning. It's like, oh, what if one day, you know, maybe it's a year from now, maybe it's two on this app, I can have impact. And that means that I've chosen a charity that I'm going to donate, you know, 10% of my revenue like to or my income or something cool. like that. Yeah, and I like that a lot. Then you get the people who have like financial capacity, they've probably got some cash flow. And they're probably going places, right? Where they're going to use loans and financial instruments and stuff like that. I love that. Just slight twists on that too is once you understand the monetization model through and you understand what, you know, the, how much you're making per customer on there through the lendability products, it's, you know, we make a donation on your behalf. Everyone who signs up, we donate on your behalf. Because then to your point, there's that impact tie to it as well to the sign up as it's like, Hey, Ethan, if you by joining, we make you know a $5 impact under your name, where would you like this money to be donated? Here's a list. And then they send you a letter saying, Ethan, thank you for your donation. Like how sticky of an app is that? Or, or to, to start with, to your point, I love that donation charitable side of it too. Because I think we're all searching for purpose and impact, like you said. So you're able to accomplish that through the app and add value again to uh, knowing, having clarity around how much actual free money you have or fun money you have. I think there's massive value there and stickiness. Cool. The group that comes to mind to me, one, I, I like the idea a lot, but tying it into this group of uh, college graduates, to me, that's the time where you have to figure out money for the first time, really. Usually, you're not making a ton of money before you're graduating college if, if you're going down that track and you don't have a lot of experience creating a budget, perhaps. So that's an opportunity to change people's habits, right? I love that. More tech savvy. Also more tech savvy, too. Also very tech savvy. And to your point too, you're with right. them now for the next, if you're looking at it as a long-term play, 40 right. years, 40 years of their financial product sign up. And now theoretically, they look to you to bridge where they are today, which they're giving you, bridge where they want to be tomorrow, which they're telling you. And now if, if you're the liaison in between there, that's yeah. got a ton of, a ton yeah, of value yeah. there. They may buy a car coming out of college, right? They would need that. I don't know how many would look at housing or buying a house rather, but definitely renting. Sure. Uh, so if you can partner with commercial real estate companies, that could be an option. Sure. So yeah, there, there's some opportunities there. I love that. I love that. Even just to start, like we said, you're just a, a personal loan company at the end of the day. You're really like, you've got this beautiful app that tells you how much free money you have. doesn't feel or look like it at all. But really at the end of the day, you're just, you're lending people personal loans. Is, is really like, if, you're, if I were just dumbed down, just the easiest monetization out of the gate, you're helping give extra data to a credit profile for Chris or Ethan to be able to from a bank. You're helping Chris or Ethan track things, but at the end of the day, you're really a you know a personal loan liaison. You're getting paid for every customer you drive them. I think that's a very quick, easy monetization. And then there's a like you said, a dozen hundred other ways to monetize people with that data. There's a tremendous amount of enterprise value. There's a lot of other things that go into it. But even just to you know drive revenue day one, I think I think you're just you're a liaison for personal loan companies. I think we can uh, popcorn a couple other action steps here before we wrap up. One thing that comes to mind for me is just sketching out, wireframing what the app could look like and showing it around to your friends. Sure. Right? Anyone can use PowerPoint like or, or Keynote to make what this app looks like and say, hey, would you use this? And you get a lot of feedback before you even go to a developer and say, I want this built. Any other action steps like that? Quick things that we can bounce around? I guess just uh, what you just said right there, the one thing that I would stress heavily is like, I call it the mom effect where, go, hey, mom, what do you think about my idea here? And she goes, I love it, honey. It's great. And then you go spend time, money, effort, and it's a horrible idea. 
I always like to take it like, you know, hey, my friend came up with this app. I think it's pretty stupid, actually. Is there like, he's asking me to get like two or three things that people hate about it. I personally don't really like this. And then like one thing you think is cool too, but like uh, he's really, I guess, for some weird reason looking for more like what people hate about it. So here I'll go first. Here's what I hate. And like that kind of like where all of a sudden now I'm not attacking Chris's idea. I can actually come in with raw, like if you just pulled off a book off the shelf and you're like, bro, what do you think of this cover? Like, I think it's kind of shitty. I'm like, yeah, bro, the fucking orange, <laughs> shit. you know, like, you're like, and then all, but you're like getting yeah. real feedback versus you're like, I wrote this book. I'm like, dude, that cover is gorgeous. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, like I'm really thinking like it, the orange yeah. looks like shit. So um, that's the only thing that I'll, I guess uh, on my popcorn, I'll just piggyback off what you said, I think is, is really important because I've spent thousands of hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars around ideas that everyone around me said it, my mom's, you know, the mom effect said it's great, but really it, it was horrible. And I just, I wasn't asking the right way or, or removing the emotional and not kind of uh, restrain in between. <laughs> I was just imagining a world where people just made only the apps that their moms thought were a good idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They'd be the only ones using their own app. <laughs> well, uh, that and their moms. Sorry, two people, I guess. <laughs> and their poor moms would be forced to use these terrible apps. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be the only They'd client. they do it, though, bro. They'd do it. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's good shit. Well, Anthony, thank uh, you. We're coming up on time here. What's one thing that you want our listeners to take away from this conversation? I think it's a, a fail fast. So a lot of the stuff with the MVP we're talking about here or, or, or you know, getting something up versus the 50 different ways to monetize. It's, it's this idea around fail fast. I think the more often, the quicker you fail, the more successful you're, you're going to be. Great. So listener, you have heard this fantastic idea from Anthony. He's clearly got a lot of passion behind it. There's clearly a problem here. I'd use an app like this. I think all of us would. So if you'd like to run with this idea, take some action, follow through on some of the steps we've outlined, come up with your own action steps, and let us know what you've done. Email us at update at runwithit.fm with the actions you've taken. Everyone who responds will get access to an exclusive private group of action takers on Facebook. And one lucky listener will earn a free mentoring session with Anthony and potentially a uh, business partnership for this idea. Anthony, thank you so much for your time here. Where can people go to learn more about you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's just my first and last name, Anthony Sarandria. Feel free to shoot me a message there or uh, just Google my name. There, you'll find a, a way to reach, get in touch with me. And I, I'll uh, happy to answer any questions, any, anything I can. I do this just for, for fun. So anyway, I can help. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. I'm looking forward to hearing what our listeners run with, the updates that they have. And, um, you know, looking forward to talking with you again soon. Likewise, fellas. Thanks for having me, boys. Thanks a lot. Now it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show 
to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.